0: Well, then, just going back, going back, way, way, way back, just to start things here, who first got you into music? What's, you know, what was the first memories of music you had? You know, when did the passion start for you?
1: Oh, always. I mean, uh, my parents were big into music, so it was always something I heard in the house. You know, they had, like, you know, I started off personally with, like, little kid records, like Disneyland records and shit like that, and, you know, all those my actually my my grandparents' seventy eight speed records. I used to listen to those, like you know, like Looney Tunes records and like Bozo the Clown records and stuff like that. Like seventy eight speeds, you know. Yeah. And then uh, my parents had they had a bunch of of stuff on on record. Like they're kind of broad in their taste. They had like Beatles. They had you know Beethoven. They had Bo Diddley, the Three Bs, um, like some bluegrass stuff and like some jazz they're you know kind of all over the place and as soon as i was responsible enough to to use the record player you know i put yeah. on like Beatle records and stuff so um so that was that's how i got into music by being surrounded by it but the the thing that that got me into my own music was Discovery kiss mm. his little kid and that was like the game changer you know it's like oh this isn't my, my parents music which is great you know but yeah this is like your own next day. level that yeah that kicked the door open right there so that was that was a big one you know
0: right right and then you finally got into the heavier stuff i'm assuming at that point it's all the standard stuff sabbath type stuff or was it or was it anything different that kind of led you to the to the heavier stuff the heavier world
1: i mean there wasn't any stuff yet you know besides black <laughs> sabbath <laughs> mm-hmm. you know i mean this is like, when I first started getting into my own music, it was 1978, you know, so there was, I mean, Black Sabbath, but, yeah. you know, besides like some new wave of British heavy metal coming out, I had no clue about any of that stuff, you know, it wasn't, it was, you know, not something that was common where, where, where when I was, you know, so yeah. I was into like, besides Kiss, like, you know, Aerosmith, ACDC, Cheap Trick, stuff like that, and then, uh, I discovered Black Sabbath a little bit later, probably like 1980, I'm guessing, you know. I got paranoid at a flea market for 25 cents, and it looked cool. I'm like, oh, what's this?
2: Yeah. And
1: uh, Alice Cooper around that time. So I didn't know anything about, like, metal. There really wasn't too much metal. But next thing you know, I discovered Iron Maiden and then, like, Motorhead and stuff. So that was, like, the heaviest stuff I could find. Right. And then then it was just a progression you know like always chasing the heavy you know there's like i said like iron maiden motorhead and saxon and then and all of a sudden i discovered record stores that carried imports and that was huge and then you discover all sorts of other things like oh you know raven and bodine and accept and loudness and all this mm-hmm. stuff and then next you know venom comes around and then slayer comes around and possessed and all that and Rest is history, <laughs> it was yeah. just a, a lot a progressive line of, of, of following the heavy things I could find,
0: right? Right, 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 right. Yeah, you uh, you mentioned loudness, man. That I haven't that's a band I have not listened to in a long time. I I had gotten in, I have not listened to a lot of their stuff, but um, God, what's the one album it's got like the green on the front? Um,
1: well, like Devil Soldier, they're, they're...
0: yes, yeah, yeah, it's a great <laughs> yeah. yeah, album. yeah. Yeah, it's for, I forget who led me to that one, but um, that's the only one I know by them. But I I, I loved it, man. That was that was a more recent find for me. I'm a I'm a lot younger, but so you know, yeah. Anyways, that just made me think of that.
1: That's, that's a great one. Uh, it's never too late to uh, catch up on that stuff. Yeah, that's old Loudness stuff is killer.
0: Yeah, yeah. So and then I know from 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 hearing I I've talked to a bunch of people in death. I've done a whole series on death and all that. I, I know you were familiar with. The demos that were going on at the time, like you had heard uh, the death demo demos before. So when, how did you find out about demos? When did you get into that? Like with you know, hooking up with them or, or, or trading the demos or, I mean, or you like know all that demos stuff. Demos in general
1: or the death demos. Just
0: in general. Um yeah, there, just in general. There
1: was like by any any source any source possible. I mean, there are several ways to go about it. You know, I mean, one was just like your buddies telling you about it. You know, like oh off for this and it showed up in the mail, you know, um, that was one, mm. just like word of mouth by your, you know, your metalhead friends, you know, and then, um, another was once fanzines started coming around, you know, I just got like fanzines, not like circus and hit parader and all that shit, you know, but actual like fanzines, Yeah, that was a big one because a lot of the time there'd be advertisements in there and bands selling their, selling their wares, you know, or an article without a ban and it, it told you where you could order their demo. So there was that, you know, just like mail order and stuff like that. And then there was also a couple of record stores that I, I like to go to. Neither one's around anymore, but there's the record vault in San Francisco and a place called the record exchange in Walnut Creek. That was kind of like our local ish uh, places that sold imports and stuff like that. And, and some of them would sell demos under the counter um and that was cool like my first band i was in like with they uh, record exchange sold our demos so that was cool i was like under fast. the
0: counter like like they weren't displaying it. you had to ask for it or like oh no like just what? sort of
1: like in you know, a glass case or <laughs> the cash, cash okay. register is you know just kind of sitting there yeah um and then yeah. the record vault did this thing where they would sell tapes like like a 60 or 90 minute tape and it would just have a bunch of demos on it like you told bootlegs you know there'd be like five or six demos just mm-hmm. on this one tape and they'd have this whole big cover that was like a page out of like a creepy comics magazine or something like that and so i got a whole bunch of demos like that like you'd buy a tape for five bucks or whatever it was you have demos from like sodom and destruction and artillery and king diamond before he had is you know uh album contract oh, um <laughs> yeah racks and fucking just you name it you know all, all creator all when they were called tormentor all sorts of things like that so that was another good resource yeah so and then once a little bit later once i started making my own demos and you know circulating the underground scene i need to, like trade with other bands you know like just reach out to other bands or vice versa mm-hmm. like trade each other's demos and stuff like that so just there's a whole bunch of ways to go about it and just anything that, that made it happen i was down for right you know and then once the death metal stuff started happening then it was like a flood of demos you know then it was just like trading with other bands like crazy you know it just was yeah. unstoppable so uh I you know I, I still actually have all my demos too in a, oh, man. In a box in my garage that i don't know if they've withstood years of this and that weather in there (laughs) but uh (laughs) i still do have them um yeah so cool but hearing bands before they became big was cool you know like sure you know the roots of of the bands you know that was a pretty cool thing so um yeah a lot of stuff first nasty savage demo that was a good one Um, You know,
0: on and on. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm always fascinated by demos. I love looking up old bands' demos. I've got to do it on, you know, (laughs) YouTube nowadays because you know things are a little different. But I love to hear. They're
1: there. You know, you can check them out. Yeah,
0: so it's 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 a little easier now. You know, but um, cool. Uh, So then, so then I know. Like I said, I know you you had heard. You know, the the demos from uh, Death Earth. Those early Death demos. <clears throat> by the time you were you know getting into death from what i remember correct me if i'm wrong i think you there was a chuck put out an ad was that correct and you responded to that
1: he was a, i i don't know if the ad ever actually got placed to be honest with you okay it was on a a, a local high school radio station that had a metal show and uh i had a friend of mine who who had dj on there she had her own show and um one day she just came up to me and and told me that uh, someone called in some guy named Chuck who was looking to start a, a new lineup for death was looking for, for band members and he was going to have run an ad on on the high school radio station, you know, if you can believe that. <laughs> and so she's like, yeah. yeah, she just said something like, oh, I thought you might want to look into it. Here's his number. And just gave me a little piece of paper with his number on it and said, oh, cool. So, and I, Already knew knew about Dad and you know had read about them in fanzines and all that stuff and collected a few demos through various sources and uh, I knew they were out of Florida so I was there was no way it was the same one I was convinced it was not it was some bizarre coincidence or something like that but I knew you know deep down there's there's no way it's the same guy it's just not possible but at the same time I felt excitement because you know it's also like well what if yeah. <laughs> so I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to get home and and get on phone, so I did, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, he answered the phone. It was the same guy, I couldn't believe it, you know, it was too too wild, you know, I mean, talk about the right place at the right time, um, yeah. so I don't know if the ad i mean I basically jumped the line if ever there was to be a line, which back then there probably wouldn't have been anyways because death metal – at least where I was a teenager was not cool. (laughs) There was a couple of people into it, but it was not cool. It was, that was the the point where, where like thrash was King, which is fine. But the thing was the the area, the majority of the the people in the thrash, the bands and the fans really looked down on death metal and thought it was stupid. Okay. You know, it was, it's, it's hard to explain now because it doesn't make sense, but, i actually lost some friends over that move into death because people no seriously because they, they got mad because they're like why you know i had one buddy try to tell me how great the band aha was he's like, Look. He's like fucking aha is good man what are you into this bullshit for you can't understand the lyrics or anything you know and that, yeah and that's not really a good example but like just the bay area like the whole thrashing they just looked down on death metal because it wasn't political. You couldn't understand the lyrics. It wasn't, mm. the lyrics weren't about moshing in the pit, you know, or anything like that. So it was really like, right. Frowned upon, but.
0: You wouldn't think case, that because, just because it's like, they were adding the extremity to what was before, you know, you would have thought of like, Oh, here's the next thing. But obviously
1: it was they really ready like, for it. <laughs> kind of. No, not ready for it. That happened. You know, it took a few years, but it eventually people got hit, but mm-hmm. it was very clicky at that point. You know, like there was a lot of, I like this, so I can't like that kind of thing. Sure. So, you know, and that went for punk and metal too, you know, like there was mixed shows all the time, like hardcore metal bands. And sometimes the crowds hated each uh-huh. other. because of mu- Musical preference, which is, you know, now everyone is free, like everything and not catch it for it, but it wasn't always yeah. that way. So getting back to the question, I don't know if anyone else heard that ad, but we couldn't find anyone else to, you know, we we did everything, you know, from we put like paper flyers and guitar center, you know, looking for yeah. musicians and whatever. Just nothing worked. We couldn't find anybody. It was just too it was too much yeah. <laughs> for people at that time, right. I guess.
0: <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's cool, though. So then. Yeah. Wh- so then when you guys met up and everything, you know, was there were you guys like pretty good friends after that? Was it more just like the band thing or did you guys you know, how would you guys get along and all that?
1: Oh, we were like best friends at that t- at that time. You know, once we we got together and started jamming. I mean, the funny thing was, I I had kind of a fear before calling because I was I just turned seventeen, so I was like pretty young. And you know, seeing Chuck in like fanzines and all that, he, I was like, oh, he's got to be some like man of the world, you know, some older wise metal guy (laughs) yeah and i expressed that concern on the phone i was like well shit i gotta tell him you know i was like oh you know uh this isn't a big deal but i'm 17 just turned 17 (laughs) and i couldn't believe it he's like oh it's cool man i'm just 19 so you know no big deal (laughs) so teenagers you know so fucking uh once we started to get together and jamming and and all that we got to be like super good friends you know it was great so i mean it was it was just the two of us in the band. Right. We were kind of like cap- captive audiences of each other. Right. right. So, I mean, that that'll either you know bring you really close or or uh, be a deal breaker. And you know, we got to be super close friends.
0: What uh, what kind of what did you guys do like when you weren't you know writing music? Did you guys hang out a lot, just in
2: general.
1: There was yeah. I mean, there was that was some of the funnest stuff. You know, a lot of people want to hear all about the album recording or demo recording, and that's and that's great. But a lot of my favorite things to think about are just like stupid shit we get up to because (laughs) when we tried to make the album in florida i I had no drum kit i couldn't bring it out with me i think i must i'm sure i flew out i don't really remember much about that but i couldn't fly my kit out and there wasn't one at chuck's parents house where we were staying so my my mom had the idea to send my drum kit by greyhound bus because it was affordable so we did that so it took a couple of weeks for for my drums to show up so we're in florida with nothing to do and teenagers nothing to do we'll get up to some pretty goofy shit just to amuse ourselves so um just (laughs) anything from just going to the the mall and running around and doing dumb shit like running up the down escalators and down the up escalators (laughs) and getting cheap beer and hanging out. I don't even know how we bought the beer. Cause neither one of us were of age. Um, right. Right. Just a bunch of goofy shit. Hang out, play fucking air hockey, watch a lot of horror movies. We nice. go to the Albertson's grocery store that had a, a video rental section. Yeah, they actually had a good horror section. So we watched a lot of horror movies. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. Um, just kind of hanging out, just getting up to bullshit, you know, nothing, yeah. nothing bad, just dumb. The typical stuff. Yeah. Typical stuff. I mean, uh, one of the one of the fun things was <laughs> he had a a poster of nikki safe that came out of like a hit parader, and that became the uh, focus of a booger collection so you know we'd wipe our boogers on nikki and then,
2: yeah.
1: you know um you know stuff to really be proud of until his mom found the poster <laughs> and threw it away one day we're like oh nikki's gone his mom's like that was horrible don't ever try again <laughs> So, things like that.
0: Right, 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 right. That's funny. Were you guys rehearsing, was it at Chuck's parents' house mostly, or or, or what?
1: Yeah, in the garage. I mean, we started off over, when I met him over here, because he was living over here. Oh, yeah, right. We jammed in in my house, where I lived with my mom and sister, and then he ended up going back to, it's a weird, it was a weird back and forth thing. He went back to Florida, and I went with him with the intent of recording the album there, and so I stayed at his parents for the summer. Mm. And, um, in, yeah, when we got there, we just we played in the garage in the summer in Florida. Hmm. You know, it was, it was uh, a little warm. Right. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> it, was, it was fucking brutal, <laughs> as a matter of fact. But um, yeah, so that's that's where we played in the parents, parents garage. Right, 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 right.
0: That's cool. Now, I talked to uh, Steve DiGiorgio this year, and uh, we were talking about some of the death stuff. And I didn't realize it, but he was talking about how he was kind of like jamming. I guess, wait, this would have been when you guys were in California, though, right? Yeah. Um, playing some bass parts once in a while with you guys.
1: Well, we had this idea of of Steve playing a live show with us. I've, I've, I heard something about how, how he said he thought he was going to play on the album, but that's not anything that I remember. Yeah. Unless him and Chuck had a conversation that I wasn't aware of. He kind of phrased um, it to
0: me like he just kind of hoped, or, you know, he thought it would have been cool.
1: okay, yeah. Well, I don't he, know, then,
0: you know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Chuck and I were just going to do the record ourselves, but around around that time, we also had a thought of, like, I would play a live show
2: mm.
1: and have Steve play, you know, because he was also busy with Say This, so we didn't really... I think we could ask him to leave Sadis yeah. and join us or whatever, but he was he was down to at least play live. And so um, he did learn the whole set, like, in no time flat, because that's how he is. He just learns yeah. stuff immediately. I mean, he's immensely talented, as everybody knows. Um, yeah. So he did learn the set, and we jammed it with him. Um, actually, in Sadis' house, uh, where Darren lived, we were jamming there, and uh, it sounded great. And that was right about the time where Chuck decided to go back to Florida again under the premise that he was going to go just visit his family. And then, uh, time started going by and more time started going by and more started going by. And I was really wondering what was going on and where did I fit in at this point? And then he finally was like, Hey, I'm, I'm here to stay. Yeah. Um, if you want to come move out, we can keep doing it. Otherwise, you know, whatever, you know, so, uh, that was, that was pretty much it. I didn't want to like, move over there and rearrange my whole life, yeah. you know, and become a, a Florida citizen, even to stay in death, you know. So, that was that was uh, the closing of the chapter of my time in the band. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so, yeah. So, there you go.
0: Cool. I, uh, I was always wondering, you know, there's the two tracks that were left off of Scream Bloody Gore, yeah, or at least the two that I know of, the, what um, Unholy Grave and, uh...
1: Legion of Doom. Oh, wait, yeah. no, no, no. Uh, what, uh, I'm fucking... No, what do you call
0: Something it? With an uh
1: with Land? Land of No Return. That's it. I was like, it's an L. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, okay, why I'm were those left off? Do you remember? Uh, that was Combat's decision. We mm-hmm. we just gave them the whole thing with the intent of it being the album, and and they uh, made the executive decision to leave those two songs off Okay. for whatever reason. I don't, they never, you know, they didn't explain things to us back then. They just did things.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. Well, that's kind of cool. It's like a nice, a nice treat for everybody later on when they finally were put out.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Cool, man. Well, like, sorry for going off so much on that. I, was, you know, I went on a little bit of a death tangent there, but... Uh,
1: oh, no, it's cool. I'm happy to to relay uh, whatever I remember from that stuff.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Uh, but getting into what I really wanted to talk about was then uh, moving... I know you did some stuff in between, and then when you finally got together with, your, with the guys from Autopsy, Danny and Eric, well, I'm trying to remember... Who was the first bassist? Oh, that
1: was Eric Eygaard. Okay. Yeah. Eric and Eric. Right, right. Yeah. Right. They had two Eric's. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what, what um, made you think that these were the guys for it or what was the co- things that you guys were clicking on and connecting on where like, this is going to definitely be the band?
1: Um, uh, well it was, um, actually Steve the of Georgia came into play again mm. because I, I was sitting there with no, no band, you know, the, the death thing was over, you know, as far as I was involved, you know? So, and then I, I, had a little uh, side gig with this band called Desecration over here, which was cool. I played a few shows with them. That was a whole other little thing that was great. And then uh, as that was coming to a close, because they split up, I was I didn't really know what to do, you know, sitting there without a band. But I can't be without a band for long. You know, it's just not how it works with me. So I was talking to Steve Giorgio, and he mentioned someone from the neighborhood that he knew, uh, some guy named Eric Cutler. That's in the metal, and that sounded cool. They were friends from like school and whatnot, and so it turned out Eric lived like right next to where I lived. He lived across like a parking lot. Um, mm. I think there was like some condos being built, so you'd like walk through this little construction zone, and there was his house. Oh nice! And so I was told I, I think I was just giving him his address or phone number or whatever, and uh, I just went over to his house, walked over there, and we just started talking about stuff and decided let's jam and you know, maybe start our own band. Um, so it was just him and I at first, and then, and then we got a few songs down and stuff like that, just jamming at people's, we didn't have anywhere to rehearse. So just wherever we could practice, we did. And what that meant was waiting for a buddy's parents to leave town so we could set up in their living room. <laughs> and that's how, that's how we jammed back right. then. Cause we, you know, I lived in a condo and there's no way we could have like drums and shit set up and Eric's, Parents didn't want us playing in their house, although I think we did once or twice. But it was basically we would get a call from a friend in the neighborhood, like, "Hey, my folks are gone for the weekend. Let's let's have a party, and you guys jam." And, you know, so that's how we did that. But and, and then uh, pretty soon, Eric told me he knew a guy named Eric who was another friend of his that played bass, and, and we got him in the band. And so we were a three piece. We did the first demos a three piece, and then uh, Danny came along. In the summer of the of the next year, which would have been nineteen eighty eight.
0: Now that's kind of I don't want well I don't want to say rare, but it, it, it's cool that it actually those guys fit like with what I mean. Did you I don't know if you had in mind what you want to do. I'm assuming you just you knew you wanted to do something death metal or whatever. But the fact that you know the three of you guys have stayed this long and it clicked you know right away. You know, was there certain things that you knew was going to make it work? Like you guys, you know, similar bands that you were into or, 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 or what?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess that we didn't talk about really anything about like would it work or not or yeah, what the future would be. You know, we're most of the time too busy trying to figure out who had weed. We go <laughs> to their house and be like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> Someone told me you had weed, so here yeah. we are at your doorstep. That was probably more what we were thinking about, so we didn't have any <laughs> it's funny because it's true yeah. um, uh, we didn't have any drive for the future or thoughts of the future or anything It's just we're just busy living in the moment, you know writing songs and and uh, a lot of listening to music which which was very important mm. in in the band taking shape because we never talked about what we would sound like we were Ever like yeah, we'll be death metal, but we'll have we'll a slow doomy parts. That was never a conversation. It just evolved because probably because of things that we were listening to. You know, we listened to like all the the fastest, brutalist stuff we could find. You know, demos and this, that, and the other. You know, we had a lot of, of similar interests. But one thing that we also liked a lot was was uh bands like you know Black Sabbath again, um, mm-hmm. and like Trouble and Candlemass and Saint Vitus. And, Witchfinder General and Stuff like that We were like really into The super heavy stuff And so I think without Discussing it We just Wrote riffs like that When we started writing Our own songs Like oh, yeah. Heavy yeah. heavy and slow Check yeah. it out So It was never Like a, a plan Or We didn't know What the fuck we were doing We just were having <laughs> Having fun And making heavy music And hoping someone's Folks go out of town For the weekend That was, right. that was About the You know As far as the, <laughs> A master plot That's as deep as it got You know Things just we uh much like today we're very much a a live moment band
0: yeah well i mean that makes it so much more cool i mean there's nothing wrong to me with like we want to do this sound and we're going to go after that and try to make this sound happen but it's it's pretty cool that that's what came out naturally and it kind of i mean that's kind of how it sounds because it is i mean you got to be one of the most organic and natural sounding death metal bands to me you know it's it just doesn't sound like any other band out there, you know, which is hard to say. For I mean, back then, that's what I loved about death metal from the early or the late '80s, early '90s. You know, there was a lot of uniqueness still going on with it. But uh I don't know. Even to this day, it's hard to find a uh, an autopsy clone that's doing it like you guys, you know, do.
1: That's just that's just what we like to do, you know. it's yeah. it's just that simple. And yeah, that's a good point you brought up about so many bands sounding different back then because there wasn't like a, a blueprint yet so there was like there were some weird death metal bands out there <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, that uh, weren't like what you'd hear today you know now everyone knows all the bands and a lot of bands are like yeah we sound we're trying to sound like this and that band stuff like that which is fine you know do a good job and make it heavy just it's your band do whatever you want it's yeah. cool but but uh yeah it's just what we what we like to play you know I'm sure there was some bleed over from death too because it was such a a big thing not big is in popularity but just in terms of of like the music and how excited yeah. it, it was you know so you know i'm sure i'm sure some of that influenced autopsy in the early days but uh yeah i mean i don't know We just kind of played what we wanted to hear for the most part yeah
0: right what about by then was it still that same way in the bay area like by the time You know, you had like Severed Survival coming out and all that. Or when did it start to change like scene wise, like around there with Death Metal?
1: I think by that time there was things were starting to shift Mm. and people were more, I mean, it was still very, very, very underground, you know, like our first gigs we played, you know, like, you know, sometimes we play and like 10 of our friends would show up and that'd be the show, you know, Yeah. or uh, we did weird shit. Like we played. Before Danny got in the band, we played at an old abandoned bowling alley a couple times um, <laughs> that a friend of ours cool. had access to for some bizarre reason. We we played there, and those were actually pretty fun. Like we got a, a few, uh, you know, decent amount of people. We played a lot of parties, like house parties and shit. Okay, like that, house party slash rehearsal. But yeah, I think things were starting to to open up a little bit, and and death metal was was uh, I'm not going to say it was cool because it, it still wasn't cool, but it was getting cooler. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah, were just yeah.
1: immediately a reject of society because you wanted to play it. You know, there's some people that were starting to to take notice and be like, "Oh, maybe this there's some dare I say substance here, or at least some entertainment." Yeah. You know, like we're not trying to change the world; just fucking get out there and get crazy. You know, come on. <laughs> so things were starting to broaden a little right. bit.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Were people thrown off when they would come see you guys live or whatever and then they realized that you're doing the vocals and the drums? Because at that time, God, I mean, there couldn't have been that many people doing that.
1: No, not really. Um, I knew like King Fowley from Deceased did it. Yeah. Uh, I'm already running out of other examples. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there's some more I'm not thinking about.
0: Did Mike Browning do when he was in Morbid Angel?
1: Oh, yeah, he? yeah he did vocals in the early yeah. Morbid Angel days. And there's there was a few bands. Like there was this band called Mouth Fader. Okay. Out of uh I want maybe d c or something like that, I think their drummer did some vocals. They were cool, they were kind of like a thrash band though, mm-hmm. but as far as people being thrown off, not really because I know Eric and Danny and whoever was our bass player at that point always made it a point to to make an interesting being up front knowing we didn't have like a just, just a standalone singer so they would make it make a conscious effort to not just stand there and headbang, you know be running around and, yeah you know kind of like demand people's attention to fill the the lack of a, a singer so no it was it was never it was never anything weird or off that i've yeah, been aware right, of right, right
0: yeah so then when you guys went and did severed survival which i think is still my favorite it's tough but there's just something about that one with this kind of the energy that's in that thing that's, like, somehow captured, it's just, like, such a unique and, like, to me, iconic, just, like, the way it was produced, the way, you know, everything was captured, like, I don't know, man, that one, I think, I go back and forth a lot, you know, I love it all, but that's just the one that I heard first and I go back to so much, but how did, was was it, was it, as far as the songwriting and getting ready for that, I know you put the demo out before that and everything. Was it mostly you and Eric doing that still? Or or how did it come together as far as like writing it and everything?
1: Um, Danny wasn't writing yet, so it was all stuff that Eric and I had written. A lot of it was, was songs off the, the two demos that we, we'd done. Like right. All three of the songs from the second demo were on there, and then two of the songs off the first demo were on there. And then the rest is just stuff that we wrote like just for the sake of being on the, on the album. I mean, we'd been writing stuff before we knew we'd get a, an album contract. Although of course that's what every band always wants. Yeah. But we weren't, we weren't writing for an album. We were writing just to write, you know, just to build up our, our uh, arsenal, you know, but yeah. then, you know, once we found out we were going to actually get a recording contract, then we had to, we had to write a couple more songs. I think we didn't have quite enough. So we just like blaze out a couple more and, and uh, floundered with finding a bass player because we'd already been through a few by then. Uh, So yeah, Eric and I had written everything. Danny hadn't had a whole lot of practices with us. He was still,
2: Mm.
1: not that he was new, but we still didn't have a rehearsal room. So we didn't, it's not like we were jamming every week, you know, or anything like that. It was like struggle, you know, so we had to make the most of of what we did get for for practices, but yeah. So yeah, Eric and I did write all that stuff. Now
0: when you guys were writing together, was it like were you just you know the, the drum parts and doing that sort of thing were you doing stuff with the guitar or like were you doing certain drum parts and the Eric would like you know I guess'm what I'm trying to say is were you writing things on the drums, and the Eric would kind of go off that or vice versa or both, or how was that looking?
1: No, pretty much whoever had a song to present mostly wrote at home like i I play guitar at home, so okay like I, that's how i I do my writing you know I just put something together and and play it for everybody you know back then like you know where we'd make a cassette recording like here's my new song yeah. um, Eric and I did collaborate on a, on a couple songs I know like we actually sat down you know in a garage or a bedroom or whatever with our guitars and like actually put riffs together there's a few songs like that mm. um, we don't really do that these days which is kind of a bummer but everyone's got like their own you know busy personal lives yeah. and all that stuff so we don't we have a lot less hang time than we used to have you know right. back when we had <laughs> no responsibilities and no jobs and
2: <laughs> yeah you just do whatever sure. the
1: fuck we wanted so I get you know. it. <laughs> yeah i know yeah um but that's, that's how the went down, you know just sitting at home with guitars and putting stuff together and okay like if, if eric had a song he wrote he would play it for me and i would try and figure out drum drum stuff that went well with it you know that kind of thing right
0: are you pretty proficient like with the guitar have you been playing a long time obviously playing a long time
1: uh i mean i've been i mean i've been playing guitar for 40 years but i don't consider myself a guitarist I, I primarily yeah i mean i can play <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i rarely play for fun at home it's more it's mostly like a tool to write write music with but having said that i uh i have played guitar um well i have this like hardcore band i play in called violation Woods, and i actually right. have, it's like a three-piece band i'm a guitar player singer and then we've got a bass player a drummer so we've played shows like that and recorded some albums so yeah so yeah i mean i i can play can obviously like, play, yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> i didn't I'm realize like you a, did guitar
0: in that band i knew you were in that band i didn't know you did guitar
1: so that's cool yeah i mean i'm not a virtuoso by any stretch you know sure. but uh, you know but um yeah i know i can, I can make it work yeah
0: <laughs> cool now like i said you guys sound you guys obviously have your own sound i was talking about how how natural it sounds you know you guys kind of have that I don't know. It's 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 loose in a way. How did you, how did you guys and how do you guys even still balance that, you know, staying loose, keeping things natural and and organic, but not getting like full on not like not it's not sloppy. Like how do you keep that line? How do you ride that line?
1: I think we just play like we play. I mean, we all grew up on rock too. You know, like before there was all this technically proficient death metal and whatnot and i don't know we've never wanted to be the most perfect band you know we're not we didn't want to be sloppy either i mean the, the funny thing is a lot of people talk about how our music is so primitive and caveman and all that and it really isn't if you listen to it like there's some weird stuff in there in, in disguise as as primitive caveman stuff and we've got some weird you know time signatures and, and changes and and stuff like that. It's kinda of deceptive, you know. Yeah. Like there's there's a lot more than, than meets the ear if you if you really listen. There's some there's some depending on the album especially, you know, I mean Severed Survival's probably got a little more rock and roll about it in terms of song structure, but as we went we we, we got pretty weird. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we still do some weird shit, but we also like to just kind of fucking rock too. So Yeah.
2: yeah. It's
1: just it just kinda of comes back to playing what we like to play. And we, we want to be tight, you know, we don't want to We don't want to suck, you know, we do try hard and if we have something coming up, a show or recording, we'll practice our brains out, you know, we'll go early in the morning or late at night or whatever it takes to get good. But, but we want to, we want to sound as good as we are. We don't want to, we don't want to sound better than we are. So in other words, we don't use like any cheats in the studio. We don't do triggers or like click tracks or samples. It's just like, it's just us playing. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, we we love it too, you know. So I, we just want it, we want people to hear it and be like, oh yeah, that's definitely a real band. There's no question about it.
0: Oh yeah, I mean to me, it, like like you said, without the click track and things like that, where there is the possibility of like little variations and stuff like that, I feel like that makes it so much more listenable. Like you don't you don't get like the fatigue from it as well is easy. It's like you're even if you're not thinking about it or noticing all those things, it's just to me it's it's easier to listen to than something that's like all gonna be exactly perfect. And, you know, it just doesn't sound as interesting, I guess, you know, for the long term.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a matter of personal taste. Some mm-hmm. people only like that stuff and don't like the more, uh, you know, organic stuff or whatever you want to call it. And so, you know, at the end of the day, it's personal taste, but that's for what sure. you like.
0: For sure. Yeah. Now, you guys had, again, we're calling back to Steve again. <laughs> oh, sure. Uh, Steve was playing on this one. And that's one of the, like, the biggest things, too, is, like, people either, sometimes people don't like the heavy bass sound. I I love it, you know. Did was that something you guys did it just end up that way? Producer, I know I've read in the past, I can't remember kind of how that happened as far as the the louder bass sound.
1: Well, Steve is such a good bass player, we wanted him to be heard. Yeah, so it was simple as that. You know, yeah. we're, we're, we've never been afraid of bass, yeah,
2: right? right <laughs> you know, some
1: fans <laughs> don't want the bass to be very prominent, like it's just kind of like filler in the background, and that's not, you know. We thought bass was cool, like fucking you know Geezer Butler and yeah. stuff like that, or Steve Harris or whatever. I mean, that's, you wanted John Entwistle or whatnot. Wanna you know bass is important, so we wanted to be heard, and and uh, it was also very. We didn't have time to to really overly scrutinize anything. I think we were in the studio for a total of four days, like to do everything, record, mix, wow. the works. So it was like we didn't have time to to nitpick over little details. It was just lamb, bam, done.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's cool though. I think that just adds to it.
1: Yeah, it worked out. It worked. I mean, we were happy with it. You know, we were we were stoked. And, yeah. You know, like you said, it's a it's a love it or hate it thing for some people. But, um, but yeah, we were we were very happy with it.
0: Now, were you still talking like with Chuck at this time? Like, did he hear the album? Were you got you know were you guys in contact
2: still?
1: That um, a little bit actually. We weren't in in constant contact anymore. Like after after the it fell apart with me. It kind of changed things, you know, because about we're hanging out all day every day and talking all all day every day for you know a year year and a half, and then all of a sudden I was out of the picture, and he was getting a new all of a sudden he had a new lineup, so he was focusing on that. Yeah. So you know we're still still friends, and we we talked a little bit, but not nearly as much. But but we're still totally cool. I remember coming out to Florida on a family vacation, and I just went and stayed at his house for a week at his same parents' house, just I wasn't in the band anymore, but just we just hung out, you know, and it was it was like old times, you know, it was super cool. Yeah. So uh and actually I went to uh rehearsal and watched him and his new band playing stuff for getting the, the music for spiritual healing together. They're playing in some storage unit and so I went and hung out with them and met met those guys and that was cool. So we're we're definitely on good terms, you know. Yeah. And then uh That's cool. Actually there's even more things that I that I remembered. We played Autopsy played with Death at Milwaukee Mill Fest 3 mm. in, in 89. So we saw him there. And then they came around here on the, I think it was Individual Thought Patterns. The I think it was like 1990 at any rate. And uh, Death played over here and we all went out and went to the show and hung out. So we were, we were cool, you know? Yeah. But he didn't, I don't think he said too much about uh, autopsy or anything like that. He was like yeah. doing his thing and we were doing our thing.
0: Yeah, sure. Sure. What did, did off topic again, but what did you think about those later albums were you were, could you get into those or was the style too different by that point or
1: oh, that stuff
0: you yeah. know it was
1: no i at first I didn't like it i i liked I liked leprosy and I liked spiritual healing, but I was also still kind of in the mindset of it, it's it had to be heavy and brutal and fast, you know, yeah, like when it came to death metal <laughs> and so honestly, I, I kind of wasn't into that stuff. And then the later stuff I was definitely not into, it just was not my, my thing. Right. You know, really. And, uh, I probably even said new death sucks or something like that <laughs> at some <laughs> yeah, point, yeah, but yeah. it's so dumb because now I, you know, in, in recent years, I've like collected all those albums and I realized are oh, fucking fantastic. Sure. You know, I just was being like a knucklehead and <laughs> it had to be fast and, just straight up brutal otherwise it wasn't for me yeah yeah you know <laughs> that's funny you know like when you first get death metal fever it's like all oh, that matters for quite some time just like oh yeah. can't get enough you know right but i changed <laughs> like a lot of things that i was rough on back then a lot of the even the bay area rash bands back then i'm like fuck that <laughs> and then later i'm like oh, okay that was actually really good i just didn't want yeah. <laughs> I just to just wasn't into it at that point but yeah, yeah everybody things, does it things change yeah yeah
0: Most at least most people come around to things later on. Some people can stick to that one mind forever, but uh, but yeah. Anyways,
1: yeah, that's fine if that if that that works in your in your uh, day, then cool.
0: Yeah, you like what you like, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Um. What? uh, So you guys released the album. What was like? I don't know. What did Peaceful think? Or like, what were I don't know the zines saying at the time? Where people pretty into it at the time you know I, i'm coming like i said i'm i come to the came to this stuff so much later i have no reference point for like what it was doing at the time
1: oh yeah no it's cool man um yeah it, it went over pretty good um i don't remember much about sort of like reactions and stuff i know we were really busy just trying to to promote it we even like made our own flyers and, and put them in the mail for people to order through peaceville like I actually made like handmade flyers and xerox oh, nice. cut them up and. Send them all over the place. So we were trying to like promote it, yeah. Because Peaceville is still kind of new. They were like pretty, pretty underground still at that point. Yeah. So we were like doing our part to, you know, push the record as much as we could. Um, But it it went over good. I don't. I don't remember anything being a bummer about it. Yeah. That that probably would have stood out if like if everyone thought it sucked, I would remember that, you know, (laughs) but I think, I think it went over pretty well as as best as I can recollect, which I turned out, I guess is not very much.
0: Now I've heard a lot over the years with, you know, some of the Swedish scene or the European death metal scene, like really latching on to you guys, um, especially Severed Survival. I or I guess I'm, I'm sure more than that, but, and it being quite a big influence on bands like Entombed and Dismember and, uh, Oh, God, I'm drawing a blank on some of the other ones that I remember reading about. But were you aware Grave of that at the time? Like or, sorry, what would you say?
1: Uh, we, oh, Grave was another one. Uh, yeah. I said, well, we were all kind of like fans of each other's music, mm. you know? And I think mm-hmm. some of us like fed off each other. Like, I remember hearing the Nihilist demos before they were entombed. Yeah. And uh, that was, you know, like I traded with Nikkei from from that band. We'd like, anytime we did a new demo, we would send it to each other. Oh, yeah. You know, and it was kind of like, I'm not going to say it was competition, but you know, we'd, like we'd hear the new nihilist demo and go, "Fuck, this is good." We didn't <laughs> yeah. know, like, yeah. not that we want to sound like them or whatever, but it was healthy. Yeah, you know. So we we were probably inspiring each other. I know we were stoked with all those bands. We played demos all the time. The one of the funny thing is, like, a lot of bands talk about the guitar sound on Savage Survival, and that was totally an accident because <laughs> I think it was Eric. It didn't have an amp at at that point, I'm pretty sure. Okay. So what we did for his guitar, I had a PV bass amp. It was just like one speaker, I think like one 12-inch speaker. That was actually my dad's that he used to play acoustic guitar through. (laughs) (laughs) And then Chuck had left behind his Boss Distortion pedal, the classic orange Mm. pedal when he moved, and he just left it here and asked him if he wanted me to mail it back to him, and I remember what he said, but he wasn't worried about it. I, mean, I think he had already bought another one or whatever, so I yeah. I had his old Boss Distortion pedal still with great bubblegum stuff stuck on it they'd put on there, <laughs> and uh, so we played <laughs> his old pedal through my dad's accu- bass amp,
0: oh,
1: and that's man. how that guitar sound came from, total by accident. And if, wow. if you notice that no other album has that exact sound that we did, because it was just the one right. thing for, for Savage Survival, then I'm sure Eric got an like amp after that for a manual yeah. funeral and stuff so it was like a total fluke but uh
0: man that is wild i don't remember that at all that's <laughs> i think i told that, anyone that's so that it's so cool before. how some of that kind of stuff happens
1: yeah i think i think you're the first person i told about that cuz I, sometimes i just don't remember to mention things like that but yeah. but uh, it was you know like a a cool accident kind of thing
0: yeah yes i mean sometimes that's the way that kind of stuff goes like it's just a happy accident you get a sound like that i mean yeah i mean well, I, other, I don't even remember no, go
1: ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say if you don't have an amp, you gotta figure something out if you're going <laughs> into the studio. So whatever it is, you gotta do something.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so I'm sure that kind of played into uh, you know, some of those Swedish bands looking for that sound, I guess, a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: That's cool. That's gotta it's gotta feel cool to have that kind of uh impact, you know. And like you said, you guys were impacting each other, so that's even even cooler, really.
1: Oh yeah, we were we we're fans of all those guys too. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um okay, so then you, mental funeral, you know we get a pretty decent change in sound I mean, it's obviously still autopsy it's just to me you know a little bit slower or, you know a little more of the doom type stuff um did it did it change a lot writing wise when you when you were you guys were writing for mental funeral or just pretty much the same process wise as severed
1: oh just same process just just writing the heaviest stuff we can come up with, yeah, you know, we didn't talk about yeah changes in style or anything like that at all it was just kind of like just more stuff you know just like just right. like
0: changing listening habits or like better you guys was better at playing or anything um, like that or
1: no not really I mean we we listened to whatever still whatever the heaviest stuff that we could find was you know whether it was older or newer stuff like that but no, we just wanted to be as brutal and heavy as possible. Really, that's that's always the goal, just brutal and heavy as possible. Yeah,
2: right, right,
0: right, right. What, uh, you guys went some, do you guys go somewhere else to produce this one? Or was it the same, or recorded or same?
1: Yeah, no, we went somewhere different. We went to, well, we went to, for Service of we went to a place called Starlight, which we heard of because uh, Sadis had recorded their first album there. And then uh, our buddies, Hex, they had recorded there as well. Um, and us three bands were like super tight back then. We played parties together and stuff like that. And so we like copied a lot of their ideas, you know, cause we didn't, we didn't know where studios were or anything like that. We were just like, Oh, say this next one, let's go there. But, um, for mental funeral, we went to a place called different fur mm. in San Francisco. And we'd gone there before cause we did an EP called retribution for the dead. That was between sort of survival and mental funeral. And I I had idea to go to Different Fur because I was and still am a big fan of The Residents. And, I, you know, looking at Residents album liner notes, I saw they recorded a lot of stuff at Different Fur. And so I looked them up in the phone book, you know, pre-internet. So I, I found their phone number somehow and called them up and booked them studio time. And uh, hmm. we went there and it was cool. it was It was, was a it? great place to go. Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. It was cool because we pulled up to the building and the first thing we saw is this like residence kind of artwork you know painted on the side of the <laughs> building the pornographics um choose your spelling depending on each residence release but uh we knew it was gonna be cool like okay this is gonna be fucking cool yeah and it was yeah so yeah different different environment entirely
0: did you guys spend much more time on that one i mean or because or, or, you said like four days for cyber did you have more time at all for 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 this one
1: yeah, I think we I think we were there for probably close to a week.
0: Okay, still but not too much.
1: No, I mean we we never go in the studio for too long. But there, it was it's funny because severed survival we got a budget of I think it was five four or five thousand dollars. And legend has it, and the legend is true, that you know, our infinite wisdom we spent half of the budget, literally half the budget on weed. So like two thousand dollars worth of weed in fucking like 1989, and didn't tell the label. <laughs> you know, they yeah. just didn't ask for a receipt or invoice. They're just like, here's the night, to make the record. Like, wow. buy a lot of weed with this, which we did. And that left us with four days' worth of time to make the Severed Survival, which we did. And then yeah. Hammy, who ran Peaceville, I think he found out what we did. So he, he made it a point to come out and be with us for mental funeral. Okay. I think with the idea to sort of, like, babysit us to make sure we were we were good boys. Yeah but Handy being Handy, next thing you know he was just part of the party and we were fucking cut <laughs> cutting pretty loose on that album you know like drinking and just smoking and next thing you know Handy smoking a fucking PVP, join the bong and you know it was like that it was like i think there was <laughs> it's funny because it's true uh yeah. i think there was like 18 of us in the studio for that oh, like we were just God. like we just let all our friends come and, hey it was like that album doesn't sound like a party it sounds like no. anything but a party, but it was a party in the studio for real.
0: how did you get anything done with that that sounds insane yeah,
1: it was insane uh i you know i, I that was we didn't really drink much during Severed survival. we had a couple of beers, you know but yeah then something happened between then and mental funeral. We really started to embrace the drinking in the <laughs> studio too and i do i have I don't remember the recording of the album very much but i I remember getting ready to start the first song, telling myself, oh, shit, I'm kind of drunk. I've never <laughs> been like this in the studio. I hope, hope I can do this. And then we just went in and fucking we just blazed through everything and it was great. I'm not saying this is a good way to do things, but that's what we did.
0: It worked out fine. Obviously. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it did. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you, I mean, that's funny. Did you, were you like, well, we're going to do this next time it worked or did you guys cut back?
1: (laughs) No, we, we just got worse. (laughs) (laughs) We just, we just, uh, ratcheted it up even more (laughs) as, uh, releases went on. And then, once we, well, no, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, uh, I mean, we, we always got the job done, though. I mean, we, you know, we weren't that much at Delinquents, you know, we we still, no matter what went down in the studio, we always showed up super prepared, super rehearsed, mm. because we never had, like, big budgets. We couldn't do, like, some bands be in the studio for months and just, like, hone our craft.
2: Yeah. And you know, we had to
1: just get in there and blaze it out and get out, you know, because time's ticking, you know, and time is yeah. money in the studio, so we we couldn't not show up prepared. Otherwise albums would not been completed.
0: That makes sense too. I mean, you can hold it down. If if you guys are that well prepared and then you're partying in the studio, at least you are, you already know what you're doing. I mean, at that point it's, uh, yeah, just, just oh, keeping yeah. it together.
1: <laughs> it's not like we're like passing out and throwing up and, you know, fucking anything like that. We were just, you know, having fun.
0: Yeah. I just love the fact that, uh, the peaceful guy comes down and then he's drawn into it. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, well, uh, Hammy's a party, like you know,
1: so he was, uh, you know, his, his visit out here was was uh you know colorful. There was
0: couldn't resist
1: partying and mushrooms and all all sorts of things <laughs> going on.
0: Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Um, all right, ah, shit. I know we're already at an hour here, so I don't want to keep you here. Um, I want to touch at least on shit fun because <laughs> I feel like this album is I I love this album. I mean, I and I do hear you know you'll hear both sides of this one, but man, people either totally hate this one or will be or will defend it i'm defending it i mean obviously we've got this cover you know and obviously that's going to throw people
1: i think that's that's a polarizing point right there just to cover i think that that's responsible for turning people off probably even more yeah than the, than the music you know and i get that you know i mean i do i do wonder what we were thinking you know honestly but it had to happen you know yeah, so it happened.
0: yeah yeah that's what i was gonna ask you like is that what it comes down to because if you give it a chance if you take if you're just listening if you're just listening to it i mean i don't know how you wouldn't like i mean you're still autopsy obviously you guys did some different stuff on it you know but um but man i mean there's some great 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 songs on there do you guys ever play any of that live
1: we have we played um not lately we, we played a couple songs off it like towards the very very end of the band and when we got back together, we played, we played, uh, we played a couple songs off it—not like a whole bunch, but like a couple of the really short songs we did. Yeah, like I mean, we want to represent it, you know. When we got yeah. back together, not pretend like we didn't do it, you know, because we felt like we wanted to touch on a little bit of of everything. Yeah. When we played live, so so that was important. So yeah, we we have played not a lot off it, but some, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh Got to at least touch on it.
0: I feel like that's cool. I I like that. I mean. Uh... I know I saw Morbid Angel recently, and they were they played like a, a bunch of songs off their like least favorite album. Well, not the least favorite, but Heretic is a lesser known, or people don't like that one as much. And I felt like they were kind of trying to be like, hey, wait a minute, there's some good songs on here. So I was like, man, I wonder if Autopsy does that for for shit fun because if you actually listen and don't worry about the cover or whatever, I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's some fucking strong songs on there.
1: It's a it's a gnarly yeah. album, man. It's 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 a. Uh on the rare occasion when I listen to it that I feel gross when it's over with, you know, I was like, ah, (laughs) I need to scrub my brain off with a steel wool pad now. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I'm not going to deny that it's definitely a fucked up album, but it's part of the, uh, it's part of it, man. It's, you don't get an album like that every day, you know? No, nor should you. (laughs) All right. Let's end on this. You got, well, I'm going to throw two things real quick. Sure. Morbidity, Morbidity Triumphant um was was extremely sick that one came out i think last year it is yeah you guys got greg wilkinson on that one who i'm a fan of oh cool yeah did uh did that change much for you guys with having him in the band i don't know if he you know was involved in the songwriting or anything but
1: he yeah he wrote one of the songs on there okay um yeah yeah it was it was great getting him in the band that was probably really healthy for us you know just and he's, he's a, he's a killer Ace player, you know, for one thing. And just his attitude is, is so good. You know, he's like a really kind of upbeat, super, uh, positive personality. You know, it's, it's just really good for the chemistry of the band, you know, he's yeah. having a great time and he's, and he's just, uh, ready to do it all. You know, it's an infectious, you know, like, Oh man, Greg's really yeah. into it. This is cool. So it kind of, you know, I'm makes you feel it. the same way. So yeah, it's, it's, it's great, man. He's yeah, you know, plus he's a recording engineer. That's pretty cool too. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was it was it was a it was a good move getting him in the band. We're we're still very happy about that.
0: Yeah, that's cool. No, I'm always so surprised when a, when a band like you guys have been around for so long, and then I'll, I'll listen to a newer album. and I'm always a little bit hesitant, you know, because you listen to the classics, you listen to the older stuff, and then you're just like, I don't know, are they still going to do it? But yeah, it's so awesome to hear like when you guys when a band like you guys puts out an album like that, where it's like, yep, you know, it's still it's still there. Like I'm trying to think of that. My favorite one on there that the skin, skin to skin or skin from skin. Oh, skin by skin. Yeah. Yeah. man. just, I mean, just great, you know, just as great as anything before it, you know?
1: Oh, thanks. That's uh that's uh from the, the mind of Eric. It's a pretty bizarre one there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love cool, it. Cool, cool. Um, and then Siege of Power, man, you guys, this was a di- completely different, obviously band, but you guys put out an album this year. I know you're doing the vocals on that. I don't think you're playing drums in this band, right?
1: No, just vocals only.
0: And and what's his name from? Halo Bullets? Oh,
1: uh, we got Theo and then uh Paul who's um, also an S Fix and then we got Bob who was an fix and is doing some other mm-hmm. stuff. So kinda like man, I've known Bob since you know, like late eighties when he F six was just doing demos. So uh you know, like buddies from, from uh way back. Yeah.
0: I, I love it, man, and I love hearing I love hearing you do like uh I haven't paid attention to everything you've done, you know, other than autopsy. I've listened to some of the other stuff, but as far as on this one, like just like a, a lot of different stuff vocally where I almost was like, is this, is this still Chris doing vocal? I mean, did you, did it all on your own?
1: Yeah. 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 I I just wanted each song to have vocals that suited the riffs, you know, because if it was, if the vocals were the same on every song, I think it would have been less effective.
2: Mm-hmm. They
1: gave me like a pretty good assortment of, of riffs and, and styles, you know, yeah. So I wanted the vocals to reflect that, and and treat each song like its own little thing instead of just like oh, I'm gonna do everything the same and get it done. You know, I put a I put a lot of care into to each individual song
0: yeah you can tell and that's I think you're exactly right on with that because I remember I listened to the first song and I was like I think is this is this what we're going to get for the whole album and then it was just like I was it was like surprise after surprise oh cool and uh yeah man I mean like a lot of that came down to just like I said the vocals where I was like is that still Chris because that just sounds like a a different person I didn't know you you know I just didn't I mean I hear all your different stuff on autopsy but it was even more different you know on this and so that was cool to hear man I really like that
1: oh I'm glad you like it thank you man that's awesome
0: yeah yeah so i wanted to at least uh, touch on that so everybody needs to definitely definitely listen to that one um but man i appreciate it i'm not gonna take any more of your time i, I had other stuff but i'm gonna leave it there
1: <laughs> you <laughs> always do a uh, part two later if you want
0: yeah for sure exactly man well yeah have a good uh good rest of your day man and uh hopefully talk again some other time
1: sounds good super cool talking to you man that was great